Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles. And today I am joined by Denver Post's Ryan O'Halloran. Thank you so much for joining me. Sure, Joe. Good to join you. Uh, so I don't know, listen, dear listeners, I don't know if you've realized this, but I am actually not at Broncos camp. Uh, and the best way I can kind of try and get around that is pick the brains of smart people who are actually at Broncos camp. We'll give it to you straight. And so when Ryan offered to join me on Cover to Broncos, I jumped at the opportunity. So... I am ecstatic because there's so much you see stuff on Twitter and you see, you know, the reports, but there's, I'm not there. So I, there's so many things that I just can't see. Uh, yeah. Thank well, you. We got, we, well, we got to talk about Justin Houston first. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, let's talk about Justin Houston. I mean, I'm definitely bummed that the Broncos are now going to have to play against him on the Ravens. So that's, that's definitely yeah. pretty shitty because the Ravens are pretty good with edge rushers. Yeah, and you know, before your first question, we can address edge rushers right away. Is I don't think they got a ton of depth. That's um, it's a concern, and uh, because you know Malik Reed is your leading sacker, he's your third guy. He's going to play a lot of snaps because the chances of Vaughn and Chubb making it through seventeen games, I think, is pretty minimal, and I think they'll need to be managed. After that, I mean, I think Jonathan Cooper uh, has emerged after missing the entire offseason program. Yeah, I like Derek Tuska as a special teams guy. He just is not. I don't think he's big enough yeah. uh, to take on these tackles. So, but uh, so I thought kicking the tires on anybody with experience, it could be a situational player, and that goes for a lot of positions on this football team right now. 
is they sunk all their resources in the one position group in the offseason. And so that's the, that's left them a little thin at other spots, but uh, I'm sure we'll get into that. No, and, and, and going back to it, again, if, if those listening, if you guys don't follow, I gave you a little bit of shit because uh, Justin Houston hasn't played special teams for a long time, and I've, I've kept up with uh, how the Broncos try to use their depth. Um, and generally, they, they tend to have those guys play a lot of special teams. So that's why I quote, I remember quoting you and I wasn't necessarily trying to come at you about it. I just knew that that was why they weren't going to sign him. Um, yeah, it, yeah, uh, to be fair, like I, I do agree with you that like, I am concerned about the depth. So like, I wasn't yeah. disagreeing with you. I just knew yeah, that Peyton I, was probably going to get stuck on it. Yeah. I think, uh, if, if in, in a, you know, hypothetical is let's say Houston was interested, uh, and then, you, you know, then you make it work. You, you, you keep another safety, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think Malik Reed's going to need to play special teams this year. He has not been doing that. Uh, but uh, I think he's also going to play a lot of defense. And so actually, since we're since we're on edge rushers, though, I, I one thing I've talked about with a couple of coaches who have looked at, you know, like the Broncos personnel and stuff, not not Broncos coaches, but like overall coaches, uh, Coach Alexander, Coach Vass, who do a lot of defensive stuff. Uh, and one thing that they mentioned that, uh, I'm curious about is, and again, I know Chubb's working back from injury, uh, but have they been using any personnel packages where all three of the big three edge rushers are on the field together? Uh, they have not. Um, and and you know, Malik mentioned that uh, during the offseason program, and he was correct as they did it week four of 2019. Mm-hmm. They had uh, Chubb, Miller, and Reed. And at that point, I think it was it was an accurate act of desperation on Vic Fangio's part because they had no sacks in the first three games. Sankey is trying to get a spark. Chubb goes down in that game. And if they had plans on using it last year, I don't remember them doing it in camp. No. Like camp was so different last year. Uh, but I think it's it's an option. You know, the one thing on defense that they're really showing a lot of, and I think it's a good move, is they're playing a ton of dime. Yeah. And it's get all four corners on the field with Simmons and Jackson being able to play back a little bit. And it's uh, Sternad is sometimes that linebacker, sometimes it's Josie Jewell. So, but I think I think I think the biggest adjustment you're going to find defensively with Vic it isn't so much the three edge rushers on the field at the same time is the six defensive backs. And so when you say a ton though, like, do you think that the Broncos are going to, cause last year I looked at the numbers of this, uh, the Broncos played five defensive backs or more, uh, 75% of the time last year. And that's with, you know, the myriad of injuries. Do you think they're going to probably base out a dime or like, are they going to, uh, I'd be surprised, uh, because that does leave you susceptible against the run. I mean, it would have to be a very, I think it's a very down and distance specific, package mm-hmm. uh, because usually that I mean I think that will mean taking Alexander Johnson off the field where you know AJ is a good run defender because he's you know he's such a big guy uh, you know so you know the, their nickel package where where let's say let's say they go down a little bit on that because maybe they're a little better let's say it's 70 percent mm-hmm. I think that the thing is going to be okay how much how much of those how many of those snaps is Callahan on the field uh, I don't think uh, I think his playing time is going to go down because I think Pat Sertan has been that good in camp and so you, so it looks like Sertan is going to end up beating into Callahan's time. You think? I think so, uh, because just the way they're moving moving him around mm-hmm. is they're throwing the book at uh, Sertan. And I asked Ed Donatel, the defensive coordinator, I asked him uh, yesterday, which would be Tuesday. Hey, uh, how rare is it to have somebody uh, of that ilk, that young? And he said, 
very rare. And that, that was pretty, pretty honest and pretty insightful on Ed's part. It says, Hey, they've had first round corners before they just left them outside. Or if they were a nickel, they just left them inside. Um, every time Sertan's on the field, I'm watching for him. Is he outside? Is he in the nickel? Like yesterday he had this snap where he was basically an outside linebacker, um, you know, matched against the tight end. So I think he opens up the, the toolbox a lot for Vic. That's very cool. Um, in, 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 and I, and I'm going to circle back just a second. You, you mentioned that Cernad and Jewel are kind of coming in for the dime stuff. Is it, is it mostly like a four one, like where it's one linebacker or are they using like two linebackers at times? They are I'm trying to think they, they, they have, they, they, they've been keeping, uh, two defensive linemen on the field. Okay. So at two, three, six, that adds up to 11. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so. So I thought that if they went dime, they would just maybe go with Draymond Jones as your only lineman, just to keep a little bit uh, of some stoutness in the middle, uh, keep, uh, you know, maybe Sternad and Jewel on the field. But uh, right now they've been going with, uh, you know, uh, two linemen and then, uh, you know, the, the red rushers in, in the secondary. Cool. Uh, so Johnson's coming off, though, for a lot of that. He is. He is. That's interesting I mean, to me. His, his, his role has changed a little bit since Josie's been out mm-hmm. uh, with that groin issue. So, uh, and hey, I will freely admit that the Bronco fans who are watching this or listening to this that go to practice, you have a hell of a lot better view than I do. So there are a lot of things that we can see because a lot of these players make better doors and windows. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Uh, so when when the Broncos are going down to like base personnel, though, like they're 3-4, uh, I assume it's Darby and Fuller out on the outsides. Um, you know, I get the start of practice. What, 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 what you can tell that the, the strategy for Fangio and Donatel is they want to be able to get Callahan, Darby, and Fuller to the starting gate. Yeah. And to me, that means like uh, uh, yesterday, uh, Fuller didn't play a lot of eleven on eleven, uh, so that was a chance for Sertan to play outside. And and one thing that Fangio said on Monday is they've signed two corners in the last three days. He says. He goes, we need more legs. He goes, he made an accurate point. He says they had 11 corners, but Duke Dawson's on PUP. Saying Bass is on PUP. They'll still count toward the 90s. So now you're down to nine. You want to limit the reps of Callahan, Darby, and Fuller. Now you're down to six. And especially going into the Minnesota practice next week where you could be going on two fields at the same time, you just want a lot of guys to keep your keep your top guys healthy. Yeah. And, and that actually, too, that ex- probably explains why people haven't really heard much about Fuller because I, I've had a couple different people ask me, why aren't we hearing about Fuller? Mm-hmm. And I know part of it is OTAs. He, he's not he's not very – like, He wasn't – yeah. It, well, that and he just – like when he's in front of the – he doesn't say much. Like he, no. he clearly didn't want to be doing a presser. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I think the thing with Fuller and, 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 and to a little bit lesser extent Darby is they are getting their work in. Uh, but they're not going to be flashy. Uh, yeah. And what you also – and you don't notice them because, uh, because they're not getting beat. And I think if you had to take one takeaway through the first seven practices, is well, let's make it two takeaways. You know, this team will probably struggle to score. They can sure as hell cover. And that's – to me, that's – if you look at the red zone stuff during practice when Drew Locke is having to scramble or throw it away, same with Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, look at it, you know, half full and half empty. And the half full part is, is they're, they're plastering pretty well in the back end. And that's one of the reasons, like, I know for a while there's been a lot of complaints about all the checkdowns, but I hear that. And I was thinking, well, the secondary is probably doing its job for the most part. 
Yeah. And one thing I asked Vic uh, last week is, you know, Drew was really uh, scrambling. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, don't you want him to stay back there and just zing it, be aggressive, knowing an interception is not, you know, you're not keeping score. He said, hey, he goes, sometimes I do that, let him do that. But other times, if you let him sit back there, you have a greater chance of collisions in the secondary. And so he's just, he's just whistling the play dead. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so kind of when you're, when you're looking up, like I know if like Kareem Jackson taking the veteran day and then like Von Miller taking the veteran day, I know Malik Reed's probably eating into a lot of the snaps when like Von Miller's out. Uh, but with Kareem Jackson out, uh, I know – Early in camp, we heard a lot about Caden Stearns. And then obviously yesterday, I think we heard a little bit about Trey Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, are those kind of the two guys really rotating in when Jackson's out with that the first team defense? Um, yesterday, it was Trey Marshall and P.J. Locke. Okay. Um, I think those two guys, I thought going into camp, those two guys were fighting for one roster spot. And I would have given the edge to P.J. because he's been able to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Jamar Johnson thing uh, with being on the COVID, now he's working his way back in. I think that's created an opening for both those veterans. Um, and so it's going to be important for Johnson to get up to speed. I think Stearns, they are uh, bringing him along at the pace they probably feel comfortable with is they're not throwing him in with the ones right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other day he was playing with the, he, you know, he's played some with the twos and then some with the threes. Gotcha. Uh, Michael Ojemudia is kind of like the other big name uh, that people ask about. Um, my understanding, I, I talked to uh, the Get- Gazette's uh, George Stoya, and he mentioned that uh, Ojemudia was kind of coming in as like the backup sir- for Sertan and Dime, but I, I, I don't haven't really heard much else about him other than he looks okay. Well, when I noticed Michael, it's because he's given up completions. Up um, he is having he's having some tough sledding, especially on the crossers, and. What I would be concerned about right now is his confidence. Uh, he probably didn't end the year with a lot of it. I mean, I had him missing 15 tackles last year for a corner. And yeah. He led the team by a long shot. So I think, I mean, it's gonna be, I mean, on one hand, it's an easy decision because he's a third-round pick. I think he makes the team because I don't think Vic wants to run into the same problem he ran last, last year where he ran out of corners. Uh, so if he has a guy that's played a little bit, he's going to keep him. That's why I'm sure you get the same kind of chatter. Well, they should trade Callahan. Well, yeah, no, because they traded Yadam last year, and all of a sudden, old Ike became a lot more valuable after the first game. Yep. No, that's and that's where I'm at, and I and I understand the the reason a lot of people bring it up is because of the cap hit, and I understand all that. But it's like the Broncos have, I want to say, the third most cap space in the NFL right now, so yeah. that shouldn't be a concern, especially since they're probably not trading for a quarterback anymore. No, and and and. And what that cap flexibility does is it gives Peyton some options at midseason if he wants to open up the talks with Sutton. Um, hit, hit the Vikings MO with 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 uh, first round picks was to pick up that fifth year option and extend them after the fourth season in the offseason, not in season. And, and let's quite frankly, that's what I would do because Bradley Chubbs has two surgeries in three years. Yep. And and I would agree that um, with if he wants to wait on Sutton, wait to see what Cortland can do in the first half of the season. Yeah, because he always as well. Yeah, well, and I and I definitely agree with Chubb just because Chubb's had lower body injuries in the NFL, and then dating back to before he was in the NFL, he had another ACL. So it's like there's definitely kind of like you should be kind of cautious with that because that's a lot of guarantees. Uh, one last question on DBs, just kind of before I buggy about a couple other things. Have any other DBs? I know Motley, like Motley in a bad way, but have any other like of the quote unquote no name DBs really stood out to you? Well. 
for a guy who just arrived 10 minutes ago, Roe Ferris has two interceptions in three days. And he had one to end today uh, when Bridgewater and Brandon Mack had a miscommunication. Ferris was there playing center field down the left sideline and catch it. Hey, he's taking advantage of it. So that's a guy that has gotten your attention because that's how guys at the back of the roster get his takeaways. Yep. And so that's the number one guy. Motley's been better the last couple of days, but uh, I mean, he was really struggling. You know, Nate Harrison, haven't noticed him. Kerry uh, Vincent just got on the field. Um, and so those are your DBs and, you know, Mac McCain had made a couple of plays early in camp, but then he's out with the hamstring. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's one of the reasons why Ferris is really, I mean, it's a huge opportunity for him just because there, there's an opening for, for him to make that, that those plays. Uh, do you think that Justin Cernad is playing well enough that he could challenge Josie Jewell for like legitimate starting playing time. I know that's the hype. Everyone, everyone since the first four days of camp last year, because Vic spoke of him ever since then, everybody's been like sky high and Cernat. And again, I'm not trying to hate on him, but I go back to the wake mm-hmm. forest tape. I've watched the tape and I'm, I'm optimistic, but it's, it seems very, very optimistic to think he's going to be a starter this early. No, I, I, I think the situations where he does play is, are the sub package, and I think very specific sub packages. I don't think you're going to throw the whole thing at him. Preseason games are going to be big for Justin because we haven't seen him play in a Bronco uniform. Yeah. And that's not his fault, but he's going to get a lot of run. Here's the thing Vic Fangio trusts Josie Jewell. Mm-hmm. He wears the green dot. He has a very good knowledge of this defense. He knows where to line up. Has he struggled in coverage? Yes, but so do a lot of inside linebackers in this division with Waller and Kelsey and previously Hunter Henry. So, um, you know, my you know, if you had to line up the snap counts for the first half of the season, eight or eight games or whatever, I'd say Josie Jewell does play a lot more snaps than Justin Sternod. Here's the other thing. Maybe Sternod takes away some of Alexander Johnson's playing time. I think that would be more likely than him taking away some of Josie's time. But I think Sternod's got a lot to prove. He got lost today on a uh, a long route to Fant. I couldn't see all of it. I mean, it sort of looked like a little bit of a wheel route, but um, maybe Justin got stuck with his eyes in the backfield as well. So it's going to be a learning curve for Sternod, and I think the Viking practices will be big for him next week. Yeah, and they, they run a lot of play action, so that will probably be a good test. Uh, if the Baron Browning injury, and, I, and I've been kind of thinking this since he got hurt in OTAs, but if Browning's injury means that the Broncos carry five linebackers, because normally Fangio has been covering carrying four uh, Browning's injury. Like obviously they can't cut him. And I, as of now, I don't think he's going to injured reserve unless you've heard, you know, something different, but if they carry five linebackers, who else kind of looks like the, the other off ball guy, like Josh Watson. Well, Josh, you know, Josh Watson's special teams ability does help him. Baron Browning. It just, it just feels like more and more he's headed toward a redshirt year. Yeah. Um, I mean, he hasn't, been on the field since rookie camp they're being very coy about what the issue was Vic I asked Vic he said no surgery they said it's a bone issue well if he just broke his leg just freaking tell us yep you know there's no harm in that and so I think um I think you know if you had to put a guess on that it would be IR you know maybe or or here's the other thing maybe he stays on PUP for six weeks because Mm -hmm. he's still eligible for that so there's, I think they got a couple options of Brownie. You know, every time, you know, a week ago, well, it'll be a couple of days. Now he's getting better. Well, he doesn't really, you know, so to me, it's, uh, to me, he's like, you know, you don't see him. So you're not really thinking about that. But here's the other thing that's interesting about Browning is the night they draft him, 
Vic said, inside linebacker, inside linebacker, inside linebacker. Well, by the time the offseason program was done, well, he's going to cross train. Well, okay, why is that? Had he not, you know, had he not picked things up inside? Is he better outside? Were you concerned about your depth out there? Did you not know what you're going to get with Cooper? So uh, very confusing. But if you are counting on Baron Browning to play meaningful the snaps on defense this year, uh, those people are probably going to be disappointed. And I keep thinking of what happened with Callahan a couple of years ago where they, they they said it was a foot issue. He was out for a big part of camp, and then all of a sudden he ended up having surgery and was out for the year. But we kind of kept yeah. waiting to hear what was going to happen to him. And so that's that's why I'm like, as soon as Browning got hurt and the way they've kind of played it, I've been thinking, yeah, he's he's probably not going to do much this year. Yeah, I mean, the Callahan thing was interesting because, you know, he was going along, then he gets stepped on, and then, you know, the, you know, the hardware broke. And I remember like the first week or two of the season, they're saying, ah, yeah, it's a couple of weeks, blah, blah, blah. You know, I had players telling me in the locker room, they explained exactly what happened. They said, he's not coming back. I don't know what they're doing. So, uh, but then, you know, foot injury last year. So it's, uh, it's somewhat similar, but, uh, but also uh, a little bit different. Cause you know, at least you knew with Callahan, some of the history there. Yeah. Uh, so the big thing with uh with the edge rushers, and I know we've kind of touched on it a little bit with Bradley Chubb though. Bradley Chubb is just now getting back into team. Like, is he playing like a lot of team, or are they really limiting him? Because uh, I saw uh, I want to say it was your story two days ago when he first started team. You mentioned that he played like I want to say it was like seven snaps or something. It was very small. Yeah, they're they're ramping him up uh, each and every day, and so um, you know I think uh, you know he hasn't. You know, the reason he hasn't been given a vet day off is he's been he hadn't worked very much. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he got into individuals, he's in the team a little bit more each day. You notice him. And one thing Fangio said the other day was he hopes to get Chubb some preseason game time just so he can, you know, take a test drive. And the same thing with Cortland Sutton mm-hmm. is that he doesn't want their first playing time to be against the Giants in week one. It may not be the Viking game, but maybe they're circling that Seattle game to say, hey, go out, uh, go out for 15, 20 snaps, and we'll shut you di- shut you down for a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh so kind of beyond those three, uh do you think it's gonna be mostly Shelby Harris and Draymond Jones in the dime then? Or do you think like it'll end up being like Mike Purcell kind of rotating it? Because I've been wondering this because Purcell obviously he's the nose. Based on everything I've watched, and you know, I've watched a lot of him. He doesn't really offer much as a pass rusher, but if you're going yeah. that light, it, I, I always wonder if it makes sense just to have him just to try and clog up the middle since you're you're kind of giving up your run defense anyways. It'd be, a, it'd be an interesting curveball because that hasn't been his role. Um, he's been a base down player exclusively since he became a starter in week five of 19. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get a little bit bigger body who can provide an interior pass rush, you know, maybe McTelvin and Jean. Uh, maybe a Deshaun Williams. So uh, those are a couple guys that have uh, gotten a lot of run with the you know first and second units because Purcell's not Shelby's being completely managed uh, yeah. in team drills. So uh, I mean we joke you know Shelby's got if, if Purcell's not practicing I'm not practicing. Well I don't uh, know that way. I, I I joke but and they obviously know what Shelby can do so they're they're putting him in for a couple of snaps at a time but. If they uh, so, I, I would foresee Purcell playing the same role uh, that he did uh, the last two years. Gotcha. And Ajim, Ajim, and Williams—they look. I mean, I know I've heard about Ajim a little bit, but I haven't heard much about Williams. But they're looking pretty. They look like they belong. 
Yeah, I mean, Williams uh, is taking those first-team nose tackle reps right now since Purcell has been out. And so that's a heck of an opportunity for him. I mean, he had that great, you know, deflection interception against New England last year. So I think what they had, what they sort of know what they have in him. So mm-hmm. I, I would think he uh, he makes the team. Cool. And that I mean that really puts the bubble battle battle into like Shamar Steven and like the young guys. Yeah, and that's another one. I, I mean, I, if you keep if you keep uh, if five five or six linemen, you go Jones, Harris, Purcell. Um, a Jim Williams Steven. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've been thinking. Yeah. Uh, but I just know they Spencer, have a couple- Spencer, would, Spencer would probably sail through waivers and then just put him on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, and again, you touched on this already, but scoring offense versus defense, defense is definitely owning camp based on like everything you've seen. Um, I mean, the offense is where the offense has turned a corner. It's almost like they had a conversation on Sunday off day with Teddy Bridgewater saying, Teddy, it's time to start pushing the ball down the field. And that's what he's done. Um, Drew Locke has made some of those plays. You know, um, they've done decent work in the red zone. Uh, you know, today they had a hurry up, uh, you know, two minute situation where they both threw interceptions in practice. But it's uh, I mean, the offense is, is uh, you know, doing, you know, some good stuff. But I don't really expect them to win a lot of days because of the first team defense. You know, where what Vic pointed out yesterday is he thought they ran it pretty well in the first day in pads. And I think Melvin Gordon looks good. I think Javante Williams looks great. Awesome. Um, I'm, you know, I'm buying his stock and I have all off season. And then I, I think one of the surprises of camp is Mike Boone as a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be able to carve out some kind of niche. And that's what this team wants to do in offense. They want to run it, set up the play action, take shots downfield. Yep. And as far as like boom as boom most of Boone's action coming on like outside runs, like is it or is um, it is it kind of a mix? It's a mix. Um, you know, it's tough to tell you know, it's tough to really tell because like he had one run today where he, you know, exploded through the crease or whatever. Well, you know, somebody probably would have dove for his ankles at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so but what you see is a little what you do see is a burst. Cool. Definitely good news. Uh I've been I've been quietly very stoked on him. I'm just kind of wondering how they're going to kind of divvy up the carries. Uh, do you think the Broncos are going to end up running more? Like, and I know I know like there's rules against like you really like giving us like personnel type stuff. So like I don't want to like get you in trouble by any means. Well, I think we've crossed that bridge already. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but uh, but do you think like so? Shermer loves eleven personnel. Like he last year, I want to say he ran like 65 percent of it. They're going to probably base out of three receiver sets still, yeah. I think I would think so unless it's really, unless uh, you know, unless they, you know, the caveat being if they go twelve and they want to get Albert O lined up outside, yeah. Um, I think that would be their second package, um, and then if you and if it's a rundown, do you try if you really want to, you know, smack a team, you go you know Sobert uh, and uh, Fant lined up and go with a heavy run package. And so I want to ask a little bit about Andrew Beck, just because I've heard a little bit about Sobert and Sobert definitely sounds like he's kind of carving out that role as the blocking tight end. Uh, is Beck kind of just like the forgotten guy now in offense or is he still getting, cause I know they don't use a fullback very much. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I think Beck has a lot of special teams value. Yeah. But I just, um, you know, I think they keep four tight ends and, 
Yeah, I think that that means you know you make the team because with you know with Albert O at this point, he's going to give you a lot more as a receiver than a blocker. Yeah, and he's probably not going to give you hardly anything on special teams. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where Beck still has value. And here's the other thing, and and I've stressed this to, it's fine to not carry a fullback, but at some point in the season, likely the first game, you're going to face a third and one. Yep, where you're going to want to run it. And you're going to want somebody who can line up in front of Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams and who can smack him in a linebacker knows what to do without holding. So I do think uh, he has value. And do you think the, cause then again, everybody was fired up yesterday. And again, like by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be Thursday, but everybody was fired up on Tuesday about Adam Prentice's block in pads. But, but beyond that, like I still, again, like Beck's versatility to me is probably more valuable unless he really falls on his face in the preseason. Yeah, and as uh, as Vic Fangio pointed out, is that uh, uh, Prentice had a little uh, help on that. Uh, who did he block? It wasn't uh, it wasn't Watson. Watson beat the uh, Miners, I think, and they said that Watson was pushed into somebody like that. But uh, you know, Prentice is getting you know, I, I think he's a break you know, break glass in case of emergency guy. Maybe yeah. you put him on the practice squad. That's kind of what I've been thinking too. Uh, so one of the other big questions I know a lot of people have had is like Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler uh, as the wide receiver three. And again, I kind of expect them both to get a decent run is like, mm-hmm. I think they're going to probably rotate them and probably try and keep Cortland Sutton a little bit fresh. Uh, does that sound kind of like on the money or like, what do you think with that? Um, yeah, probably. Uh, you know, Tim Patrick is just so dang reliable yeah. that um, he's going to will his way into the game plan. And with KJ Hamler, it's, I don't want to say, is he still in the stage where what you get from him should be considered a bonus? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, but you just want to, you know, if you're the, if you're a Bronco fan, you just want to keep your fingers crossed a little bit to just to say, Hey, can KJ get to week one? Yeah. And he's made some changes to what he does with his, uh, you know, weightlifting and hydration that we wrote, uh, that I wrote about in last Sunday's paper that he feels can, uh, you know, help him uh, get on the field and stay on the field. But, you know, as Zach Azani, the receivers coach, told me, he says, hey, he got a long way to go as a receiver because he missed so much practice time last year that he has he has to get better on just all the minutia of playing the position. Yeah, and that's that's kind of been my concern with him too. And one of the things I keep thinking is that if you really want to get the ball in his hands, it pays to get him on special teams. So when Tom McMahon was saying that, like, they were kind of giving him reps there, going to give him reps there, I think that helps him. And also, and again, I don't want to hate on Deontay Spencer, but the fact that Deontay Spencer is only really a returner, it, I don't I, like when I think about roster management, I don't like that just because you're allocating entire roster spot to a guy who only does one thing. Yeah. And I mean, in the you know, kick return game is becoming more and more, you know, of a rumor, especially when they play home games. You know, and, uh, and, and something that Tom McMahon said yesterday, he says they don't want to have to put Callahan back there, mm-hmm. uh, which they had to a couple of times last year, just a fair catch. And your roster math point is is valid because they had five receivers active last year. Um, you know, does Tyree Cleveland uh, get that fifth spot because of his value on the kick and coverage teams and he use Hamler uh, as a punt returner? You know, it's uh, – I, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of teams that have six receivers up on Sundays. Yeah. So, um, you know, like Cleveland would be the odd man out just from the, the roster gymnastics there. Uh, when you, when you kind of, and I know, 
I know the pads have only just come on for two days, so it's kind of hard probably to say so far, but I know Anderson and Massey have kind of been the ones rotating the first team for tackle because right tackle is really the only big position battle other than QB, mm-hmm. um, other than, you know, the backup spots mostly. Uh, has Cameron Fleming just kind of like fallen by the wayside in terms of like that? Because I know when they first signed them both, it looked like it would be Massey or Fleming. Yeah, and, you know, they uh, – he has fallen by the wayside. And uh, you know, as a matter now is I think Massey still ends up winning the job and then keep Calvin Anderson. Who's taken some, he's taken some left tackle reps uh, mm-hmm. with the second team. He can be your swing guy. And I think that leaves Fleming on the outside, you know, you know, maybe off the roster. So it's uh, to me, it's a two man race at right tackle. And uh, you know, uh, I think it's important to keep, An- you know, keep Anderson sharp there because Bobby Massey was banked up last year too for Chicago. Yep. Yeah, and he's been banged up a good bit over his career. Uh, so other than that on the line, though, has anybody really stood out? I know Lloyd Cushenberry has gotten a lot of pub, um, and I'm happy for it because, again, he was pretty bad last year. Um, and I know Quinn Miners, basically, from what I've heard, is Quinn Miners is basically going to get a redshirt year. But is it has anyone, like, jumped out at you in terms of the offensive line? Um, no, I mean, I like we like watching Drew Hillman because he's six foot 18. Yeah. And he looks like he knows how to bend a little bit. So I always get a kick out of watching him. I mean, this center competition right now is not a competition. And I don't know why they declared that in the offseason. Maybe they maybe they were trying to push Lloyd Cushenberry to say, hey, you know, work a little harder in the weight room, work a little harder in your training, because he's taken the first team center reps in every practice so far. He looks like he's, you know, leaner and stronger. And, you know, and I think the, the the misnomer on Lloyd is he did turn a corner, I think, the last half of the season. I mean, my charting, particularly in pass protection, showed him doing a lot more. I mean, he had a couple of train wreck games in the first half of the season. Yeah, he did. Pittsburgh game number one. So, um, but if you're going to have if you're going to have a potentially a rotating cast of quarterbacks, I don't think you want a rookie center, particularly one who didn't play football last year. So my thing is, okay, at what point are they going to start working minors at guard? Because yep. you got to get them. When I when they drafted him, I thought he was going to be, you know, a starting guard in 2022. And so I think they're trying to get him up to speed at center, which probably helps him learn the offense. And then as the preseason goes along, maybe you start moving him uh, to like a, a, a reserve guard spot. And that would make sense too, because Graham Glasgow's contract starts to get movable down the road and mm-hmm. Dalton Reisner's up for a contract soon. Yeah, I mean, and, and a lot like like a lot of the veteran contracts, like Glasgow, they're basically two year deals. Yep. So I think they have an eye on that. And here's like, I mean, Natane Mute, um, I don't think you can trust him for 17 games, or else he would be an option there. And, and you know, I think he's a, a a solid plug plug guy if you need to play him. But uh, and like he took Graham Glasgow's first team snaps today. Oh, yeah, and he, and again, I. I like him a lot, and I think he's an athletic guy. And I remember when he was coming out, basically all the draft analysts were saying if he didn't have the injury history, he probably would have been like a second-round guy. But that injury history, I had him off my draft board because I was so afraid of it. Mm -hmm. At that point, you start taking flyers. Uh, Guys, hey, not not so much can't believe he's there, but say, hey, you feel like you're okay at other spots. See if you can uh, put this guy in the hands of Mike Munchak and and, and, uh, mold him into a starter. Definitely. And then, so we, we already t- touched on the running back competition a little bit. Do you think, I mean, I would assume they're going to carry three and then maybe Levante Bellamy on the practice squad, unless he just really impresses. Uh, just because like, I, I remember the rumor was Royce Freeman was kind of getting floated in trade talks before, but has, 
has any of the backup running backs like showed out enough that you think like they might work their way into the like on the active roster? No, I, I think they'll keep three. Um, if all three are healthy, yeah. You know, if I'm the Broncos, I showcase Royce Freeman in the preseason games. So, so if a team gets banged up in in late August, say, hey, we need a guy who can play third down and who can run it a little bit on first and second down. We'll give you a fifth that can become a fourth deal. And uh, I think uh, – and, and they probably feel good enough about Bellamy that if the doomsday thing happens and everybody gets hurt, that he could he could fit in there. Yeah. And obviously, I, I can't have you on and not bug you about quarterbacks. Uh, sure. I thought – maybe start off with that. Well, I, I kind of wanted to give everyone a reason to listen to the whole thing because okay. yeah, these are all the questions I've been dying to know, but – so the, the one question, the, the first question I have with it is just uh, the the last practice before the off day. Like, again, obviously, as people are listening, this will be Thursday. Uh, the two-minute drills. My understanding, based on what I was hearing, was Locke's interception was like an actual decision-making issue, whereas, like, Teddy Bridgewater seemed to be a miscue with the receiver. Uh, I'm trying to look at Saturday here. Teddy, uh, depending on who was watching, he had two or three interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, the first one was a gene, batted the ball. Okay. The second one was cream where Fangio said it was the first time they ran that coverage in camp. So maybe they have, maybe they fooled Teddy there. The third one was red zone long way away. Um, I'm trying to look at Drew's interceptions. Huh? Well, I can't remember when those were, but, uh, you know, to me, it's, uh, here's an interception on Monday. That was Ferris. I can't remember what the play was though, but, uh, it doesn't, you know, in 11 on 11, it doesn't feel like Drew is struggling with where to go with the football. Uh, but that's my two cents. But, you know, as Pat Schirmer said yesterday, we're all untrained eyes. Yeah. Well, and, my whole thing is like, I mean, that's welcome news in and of itself because last year that was definitely an issue for, for Locke at times. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, Vic called it even Steven. Who knows? I mean, there's not, I mean, I thought um, Monday, I thought Teddy established himself. He finished 11 on 11 with 14 straight completions or 13 or something like that. And Drew was, wasn't as good, but uh but they're just what, – what strikes me as you watch practice every day, they're just two different players. I yeah. mean, it's almost like they have a separate playbook. And that's what – they're going to have to tailor their offense. You know, Teddy – you know, they like to say, Teddy, hey, he can throw it downfield, but that's not his game right now, whereas Drew is comfortable doing that. Yeah. Well, and the, one of the things that – and again, like, people who aren't there, the narrative that you hear is basically, well, yeah – Teddy's completing passes, but they're like two yard passes. And then Locke is actually, even if he's incomplete, he's going to give you balls downfield. I, again, like I've, I've looked at the numbers enough to know that Bridgewater's accuracy downfield is pretty okay. Uh, and he was like about league average in the middle of the field. So I'm not like, I personally am not super worried about it. Um, whereas like my issues are last year. If you look at all the stuff with Locke plus, you know, film and the numbers, I mean, Locke's accuracy last year was dreadful. Like downfield yeah, I mean, everywhere, yeah. and that and, and again, like hearing the reports from camp that that's improved is obviously good. Um, one of the big questions I have about is he is he hitting stuff that's like horizontal leading throws? Is he actually able to hit guys in stride on that kind of stuff, or is it mostly just um, downfield shots? 
where both guys were, where both guys, I'll start with Drew, where he is being, I think he's showing some progress, is he is leading guys on those crossers. Um, you know, he's going to, everybody's going to have a, a throw behind the receiver and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they throw a lot of passes to the flat, but which you, is you don't, you know, uh, you don't have, you don't see guys having to make circus catches. So, you know, like uh, he threw a good back shoulder to uh, the Devontress uh, Dukes today. That was a good pass, you know, but then Teddy threw one behind Sutton that's, that Cortland uh, reached out with one hand and caught. So it's, uh, they're both, uh, you know, both on the same boat there, I think. If you had to pick one based on to like what you've seen so far, who do you think would would go with the starting job? I mean, I, I I'm in the minority. Is I think Drew Locks gives you a chance to win because he's the one that can make big plays. Um, you you know you hear the phrase "death by a thousand paper cuts." That's how the Broncos want to win if mm-hmm. they play Teddy. That said, I think uh, Teddy would have to be really really bad over the next two three weeks uh, to not start against the Giants, and I base this on the schedule. You're playing Daniel Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and Zach Wilson in the first three weeks. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a problem, but he may not be a problem right away. Yep. And Vic Fangio may be going into those three games saying, I've not won a September game. I think I have a very good defense. And so I want a quarterback who will uh, not turn it over and convert on third down and just uh, don't lose it. And I think that would that that if you base it on that, I think it's an obvious decision on Teddy. I think both guys are going to start a lot of games this year. I think that's just the way this season's going to go. So with with that in mind then, the the a lot of Broncos country have kind of been pining for like the leap for Locke. And again, like I understand like from where he was last year to be able to compete with Bridgewater, there's definitely been a leap in his play. But like this this idea that he's going to turn out to be like a pro bowl or like Hall of Fame level, like you're not seeing that in camp. No, no. I mean what you're seeing is what you're seeing is why this is a competition. Is that right now neither guy's established enough to go into camp as the true number one? Yeah. And you know that's that's why there's a competition. If they thought if they thought if they thought Teddy was a definite number one, a they probably wouldn't have been able to trade for him, and two they would have given up more than a seventh, and three they would have made him the starter right away. Mm-hmm. But they want to, you know, one thing uh, is they don't, they're not ready to give on Drew Locke, but they know last year he didn't play well enough to earn the right to go into this year as a no doubt starter. Definitely. Uh, kind of one, one more question, I guess. And again, you can def- defer on this if you don't want to answer it. Knowing what you've seen so far, how did the playoffs seem realistic? I don't think so. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, have them in the six and 11, seven and 10 range. You know, I just, I think, I think they have the fourth best quarterback position group in the division. I don't think I think it's close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they play Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, you know, very good teams. They play Dallas who should be better. Uh, I mean, they should mean they got to win those three NFC East games against Washington, the giants and Philly. And, but uh, I just, I mean, until they prove that they can be, you know, consistent at quarterback, which is which has been a moving target since the Super Bowl, even before then that year, uh, it's tough to say they should be a playoff team, even with uh, even with the seventh uh, seventh uh, spot available again. Definitely. So thank you so much. Ended on, ended on a downer. Sorry. No, no. It, 
my whole thing, and again, this is one of the reasons why I like keeping up with you so much is your objective. Like there's, and again, and, and I'm not trying to like throw any names or anything, but like when you're, when you're following Broncos media, there's a certain degree of, you have to like, you learn a lot about the reporters based on what they're saying. It's kind of like, and again, like I, I say this as somebody who follows camp through a lot of tweets, you're honest. Like there's, there's not a, like a clear, like agenda in what you're saying in your things. And it, it's refreshing and it's really nice. And I appreciate it. Well, thanks. And you know, I have, I mean, uh, I didn't grow up here. Didn't, you know, not, this isn't the only team I've covered. And, and one of the things that I talk to the people at the teams I cover about is, Hey, I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to take cheap shots. And my opinions are informed, especially when you get into the season. And, uh, you know, here's my, here's my book from last year with, uh, with all my categories. So I spent a lot of time on it. And that, that think that what, what I, what I think that does with coaches and players that allows me to second guess because they know I'm coming from a spot where I watched it. I want to learn it. And, that's where that's what helps me is I'm not going to be the guy that tweets out 50 times during practice because I'm writing every single freaking play down. Uh-huh. And if I have my eyes in my phone, I'm going to miss two plays with, you know, trying to type with these thumbs. So it's uh, I'm not going for the likes and retweets. Uh, I'm looking for, Hey, I'm providing enough detail here so you can click on the story and hopefully get a subscription. Yeah. You're an actual journalist. Well, we try. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it, Ryan. Sure, Joe. Good to talk to you anytime now. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.